0: Today's episode is not only about sustainability and climate champions and how to live out on your gap year, all of the values that go along with that. It's also about having confidence as a young person to connect with different resources in your community that are a really, really powerful way to make the most of your gap year. So I'm so excited for you to listen to Kane and his story about how he got involved in climate action. And I hope it inspires inspires you to find your passion and then find the people that can help share those same values and help you to move forward to make this world a better place. We all need a little bit of that right now. Welcome to the Gap Year Podcast, where we explore the who, what, where, when, and why of gap years. It's real people sharing their stories, ideas, and experts diving deep into how you can make the right decisions in order to have a meaningful gap year. This is the place to be no matter where you are on your gap year journey. I'm Michelle Dittmer, your resident gap year expert. Let's jump right in. everybody out there and welcome to the Gap Year podcast. Today our guest is Kane Boyle and he is currently a student at the University of Guelph but he has a real passion for what's happening to our natural and not so natural environment and what is happening with our climate crisis. So I've invited him here today to share a little bit about what a climate action gap year might look like and what are some of the things that we should be considering if we're having a gap year here, but we want to be climate conscious. So, Kane, thank you so much for joining me today.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: Well, why don't we? Why don't you give us a little bit of a background on who you are and why you have become, or why you are so passionate about what's happening with uh, with climate action and the climate crisis?
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, so, I think I've always I've always kind of um, had an interest in the welfare of the environment um whether that was from my grandfather who uh was a was a very heavy naturalist um when i was younger or um just kind of projects that i was involved with like in elementary school um it's always kind of been like a central aspect to what i wanted to do um, and then that's matured along with my academic career and then when we moved to canada um like between grade eight grade nine and ten um, i kind of just solidified that and like realized that uh, this would be the perfect way to not only give back to the community that welcomed me so so warmly but to really give back to um like the the natural environment that has you know done so much for us um so that that it just kind of fitted organically and um the more and more i got involved the more and more i realized what a dire situation we we we're finding ourselves in Um, and yeah the rest is history
0: I think that's incredible um, that it it was seeded so young and I think it's something that's really important to a lot of young Canadians and a lot of young people around the world as we're realizing what situation we're currently in and what damage has been done and what is reversible and what is irreversible. So I'm really glad that you were were able to move past that kind of stifling, overwhelmed feeling of hopelessness that that can sometimes be a little bit paralyzing and move to a place of action. So I'm wondering, um, what organizations did you get involved in or how did you connect with others who had a similar interest?
1: Yeah. Yeah for sure it was almost it was almost comical the the way I, I met some of the organizations i've worked with um like in high school and now in university um i um so i was good friends um with a uh with like an upper year student in high school when i first uh moved to canada and he worked for the Halton environmental network um as like a core program and i got involved with him he invited me to a volunteer event i met the executive director there and um like we're not close friends, and like I work with her all the time. Um, and then from there, I kind of uh, got involved with an agency that they're part of, the Halton Climate Collective, um, and got involved with uh, projects that they're running now. Um, I'm one of the I'm one of the senior youth stakeholders uh, for the Halton Climate Collective, um, which I'm I'm loving every second of, of what we're doing there. Um, and and it really is like a boots on the ground uh, youth climate action based program that we're running. Um, So it's, it's a ton of fun and it's, it's surrounding yourself with really passionate, hardworking, uh, youth members of the community. So it's, it's always a good time. Um, but we're all super focused on, you know, making our community more climate resilient and more sustainable and more progressive. Um, so we all have that common drive and then, uh, I got involved with groups like the Orffle Green Conservation Association and uh, World Wildlife Fund. Um, so those are, yeah, um, just just kind of finding finding organisations that coincided with my interests and my values, and um, honestly, just just opening up a conversation with them. The the worst thing they they could have done was said no, but hardly any of them did. They're always looking for. Um, Some sort of collaboration, especially from youth, um, because they are realizing how important it is for one for us to get that experience, but for for them to just have input from so many different perspectives. Um, So, yeah, half, half the time it was just shooting an email and being like, hey, I'm I'm happy to help. What do you have for me?
0: There's a couple of things that really popped out for me and what you were saying there. I like that you were able to connect with something that was like hyper local to where you lived, but then it also kind of dovetailed up or, or scaffolded up into larger national and, and and international organizations as well. And I think some people don't realize that in your local community, there's probably an organization that you can tap into locally that will provide you with really great opportunities and resources and and projects that you can make an impact in your own community. Uh, and then also scaling up because this isn't the, the work that you're doing in your local community isn't going to change everything if, if the whole world isn't on board as well. So, so scaling up into larger organizations is really important. And the other thing that you said that I really, really loved um, was that you just have to put yourself out there. And it can be a little bit intimidating to send that first email, but people are always looking for support from other like-minded people. So if you have a passion, no matter what it is, so whether it is climate action or it is um, working with little kids or it is our aging population, whatever your passion is or whatever issue you want to change, find that organization and then just make that first call, send that first email because it's going to open up so many doors to so many different opportunities like you did
1: yeah yeah, definitely I I couldn't have put a bit of myself um it it is really just taking that first step and and that is the hardest one to take um but once that ball starts moving it it opens so many doors and and so many ones that um you don't expect
0: and, and another specific note for people who are on gap years and why things like this are so important is because what you said about making connections and making friends in these new situations. So often, when you're on a gap year, a lot of your friends will have headed off in different directions, and so to keep up your your social connections as a as a social being as a human, um, being able to find new people that you can hang out with on your gap year, uh, this is a great way to be able to do that and to connect with other people that you can befriend uh, while your other friends are off in, in lectures with other people, you can you can create this network of people um, that I think is really great. And I was wondering if you could touch on one of the things that you said was um, working with people of different ages and people interested in in the youth voice. What's it like to be working with, because sometimes high school students are used to working with their peers. And sometimes when we step into these organizations, it's cross-generational, there's lots of different ages um, within the group. So I was wondering if you could comment on what that was like.
1: Definitely. So um, it, it is a little intimidating at first in, in, some of the envir- in some of the environments you find yourself in, um, especially um, when you're dealing with people with like these super high caliber professional experiences. Um, people like that have worked with multinational organizations or have um, created these like pilot programs to mitigate tons of of CO2 um like it's it's really like a name-dropping event that you find yourself in sometimes um but like you just have to remember that like you you're you're bringing your your opportunity with you um and that you you're someone who can um who can be so easily uh, taught and adapted to whatever situation especially um especially, like, at the, the stage of life that, like, young adults find themselves in, um, like, we're very easily groomable to, to any position we want to put ourselves in. So, um, like, if you, again, if you find that organization that coincides with, with the passion that you have or, or with values that you, uh, that you have, like, once you find yourself in that, just, just know that, like, there's going to be people around you that, have more experience than you that have different experiences than you, but that's exactly the kind of environment that you want to find yourself in. Um, and like you want to, you want to share those experiences with them and you always do bring something else to the table, right? It might not be those tangible white paper skills, but it might be, it might be something softer. It might be a new perspective. It might be, um, the lack of experience that can give you a new and objective view of a situation or something like that. So, uh, just just because you're younger doesn't mean you're unskilled or underqualified for for something. Uh, it just means that you're definitely qualified for something. Um, and that was a that was a bit of a learning curve that I had, um, especially stepping into my role as youth stakeholder for the HCC. Um, but like once you realize that, and once you realize that, the more you get involved, the more that's going to have a butterfly effect to get other youth involved, and you can kind of. Um, collaborate with them, and you can collab- you can start collaborating at an intergenerational level. Um, it's it does wonderful things.
0: I like that you say that you're differently skilled, and youthfulness is an asset. The um, There's a wonderful researcher and youth activist, Alona Doherty, who works out of the University of Waterloo, and all of her research is on the value of, of youth and how youth are actually wired for innovation and creativity. And it's something that society needs to value more, because at this stage in the game, your brain Works differently than a fully developed adult brain, and and the ability to approach problems with a new perspective and with this creativity and innovation means that problems are going to be solved in a different way and more effective. So it's just adding to the value of what's going on. Um, so thank you, thank you for highlighting that. That's really important for for young people to hear that that although they may not have life experience in the way that some of these other folks do, your youth is actually an asset that you can contribute to the team.
1: Yeah, I want to Hey s- exactly
0: I want to circle back to the idea of a gap year so we had uh, a beautiful example of what a climate action gap year could look like um, with Greta Thunberg and she has really put on the map a gap year she's also really put on the map what young people can do when they stand up and speak out about it so she's kind of like the gold standard beyond the gold standard of what you could do on a gap year so I want to start with some of the simple actions so maybe you're not a a full-fledged activist but you want to be conscious about your gap year and the the ecological and carbon footprint that you're doing and some of the the things that you might be a little bit more conscious of on your gap year so i was wondering what small actions you you might suggest that people who are on a gap year might consider to make their gap year more climate friendly
1: yeah for sure Um, and it it kind of depends on what kind of gap year you're taking, whether it's um, like a, a gap year to to like work and, and earn a bit of an income or uh, get some like work experience, or if it's to travel or if it's to uh, volunteer in different nations or something like that. Um, but we kind of kind of keeping some, some core focus points in mind um, and, and definitely looking more at how, how much and what kind of uh, products you're consuming. Um, because no matter where you go, um, you're you're voting, and it's not necessarily within the political system, but you're voting with your currency, right? Um, you're you're using your money to decide what products are valued and what aren't, um, and to what extent. So it's always important to keep that in mind, especially when it comes to um, like air travel or to um, like certain products in in different parts of the world, um, or fossil fuels or something like that. Uh, and and I think as long as, stu- as uh, students who are taking gap years um, are are keeping a very pragmatic approach to it, um, then then I think like it is a lot more sustainable to do throughout the full gap year um, than to like kind of come out with a really idealistic view and then um, like kind of have that like kind of collapse halfway through. Um, because I have spoken to a few friends who are currently doing their gap years and they wanted to live like a carbon neutral lifestyle, but they found themselves, uh, like my one friend who visited Europe. Um, like he tried to find a, like, um, a boat going back to, uh, North America, but he couldn't. So he had to, he had to fly back. Um, and that again was one of the challenges that greater Thunberg faced was, um, like traveling across continents. But again, with her, uh, with her celebrity status, like she, she, managed to to find something there. Um, so I, I digress, but it's it's really about keeping that that pragmatic view of, of things, and just keeping in mind that your your dollar input um, is one of the greatest ways that you can um, you can decide what products, glo- like globally and locally, um, are being valued, um, and then and then obviously what. It gets a bit more specific once you kind of decide what kind of gap year you're taking so if you're staying at home and working you might want to uh look into um like uh like healthy active transportation or you might want to look into ride sharing or something like that if you're traveling you might want to look into um like carpooling from destination destination a to b and stuff like that um so it's kind of more it's kind of more specific to what they they want to do Um, but just keeping in mind like the the kind of purchasing power you have in these different places.
0: I love it. And I think one of the nice things about a gap year is we tend to have a little bit more time to put into the researching side of things because often when we are making purchases, it's impulse purchases or we're strapped for time and we just need to buy something or we just need to get food or we just need to to order in that that sustenance to keep us going. But on a gap year, there's a little bit more time to be thoughtful about the things that we're doing and research the things that we're doing. And so I think that that's important when we're talking about voting with our dollar or in investing in companies and products and um and experiences that are more aware of of the climate the the impact they're having on the climate um that is a beautiful thing that you could do on your gap years taking that time to do the research so if you do need to purchase a backpack spend the time and do the research on where those products are are being created what What um, materials are they being made of? What is the company doing in terms of their environmental policies? So having that freedom of time allows you to make better decisions. And once you have done that research, you can then make those decisions for the rest of your life. Um, So I think that's really important to to use the time wisely to be able to do that research so you are uh, a more thoughtful consumer. Um, and I like the idea, too, of really focusing on um, ways that your, your transportation is, is impacting the climate and looking at opportunities to be a little bit more thoughtful there. Um, so I think that's a, another really great reminder of the simple things that we could do, uh, whether you're on a gap year or not. But specifically for those on a gap year, I think that's a really great thing to do. Now, if people wanted to really level up their gap year and they had that, that activist soul, and they really wanted to kick it into high gear. What could somebody? What could a gap year look like for somebody who wanted to dedicate their entire year to um, to being a little bit more of an activist or taking on a role in um, contributing to solving this climate crisis?
1: For sure. And um, I think I think a much more powerful term to use now instead of activist, which um, is is kind of becoming all synonymous with a, with a thought and prayers kind of approach. Um, is more a climate champion, who is someone who becomes educated on whatever sphere uh, of the issue um, that they're interested in, and and really just, just diving deep and and like having having that boots on the ground approach. And um, there's so many ways that you can tackle these issues, whether it's mitigating um, like fossil fuel emissions that are being put into the air or into our waters, um, or Adaptation, so knowing that um, not all the changes that have occurred can be reversed and and adapting to some of the irreversible things that have happened Um, or rehabilitation or knowing that not everything is irreversible and that we can kind of remedy some of the solutions that have happened, whether it's, um, I know there's some amazing organizations that are looking at coral reef rehabilitation or um, like uh, revitalizing, um, like, Soil areas, um, and then uh, sequestration, so pulling some of those carbon emissions from the air and kind of restabilizing um, some of the like uh, microclimates. Um, so really, there's there's so many different ways that you can approach uh, the issues, but every way is equally important. Um, obviously, there's a there's a certain um, ordinal approach to it, but um, Really, like, if you, if you follow, like, the mitigation or adaptation approach or uh, sequestration, um, like, it's, it's really what you make of it. And, um, like, especially at our, our level, if you really, like, dive deep into that, you get so, mu- so much experiential um, value out of it. It's it's fantastic, and and from that you can you can make those big lifestyle changes because you're making those those larger those larger um, greenhouse gas impacts. Um, that really brings down uh, into like your personal level, or into your community, or into your family, um, and you kind of internalize that very abstract thing, especially to people um, in first world nations. It, it it climate change affects everyone, but it affects everyone to different extents. Uh, so. Uh, people who find themselves in in very um, fortunate situations might not experience the same uh, crises or same extreme events that um, some developing nations might find themselves in. So it really does internalize that externality for a lot of people, um, and that can have a butterfly effect to your greater community, and that can inspire change in people around you, which is so important because it's not about a few people doing 100 things perfectly. It's about thousands of people doing a few good things, um, which is very important to keep in mind.
0: I love that because I think we can, we can adapt our own behaviors and our own things, and, and that's just a drop in the pond, but we, we need everybody to be on board, so the more that you can get your friends and your family and your community on board and work on some of those um, larger scale, more, more people involved, educating more people, providing them with tips and tricks and awareness and knowledge, uh, that's where the greatest impact is really going to come.
1: Definitely. And, um, yeah, yeah, you've, you've, you've summed it up perfectly there with, um, with, with getting so many people more involved and and that can lead to such a huge butterfly effect. Um, and it's so much more sustainable for, uh, like a large group of people to have a pragmatic approach than than a few people having like an absolutist one. Um, and it leads to like community, Progress, rather than individual, um, which is which is how the fight against the climate crisis is going to be won.
0: Beautiful, I love it. Um, one of the things that I sometimes hear from. Uh, from climate champions, thank you for giving me a new term to use here. Um, is that there's sometimes a disconnect between them and their parents, or them and their community, that they are very passionate about it, and they're they're getting some resistance or some eye rolls every time that they question why they're using that single-use plastic. Um, so, do you have any tips for people to um, to help bridge that disconnect between people who who may not have the same views
1: yeah yeah for sure and um the, the the best experience that i found was was bringing my parents along on on that journey and, and continuing to have them included in, in some of those conversations or or some of the research that i'm doing so um really like really like just trying to trying to bring it home and make it like a shared a shared gain of experience um, so having them having them along for, for what I'm being educated in, uh, whether it's in the classroom or more experiential learning, um, and having them along with uh, projects that I'm collaborating on with peers or uh, at intergenerational level, and having having them be a part of some aspect of when I'm when I'm taking action and um, creating initiatives to mitigate carbon emissions or to sequester carbon, um, or or climate adaptation programs, or something like that. So having them part of every step of the journey, so they're more involved with what is my child doing with their life, rather than like, oh, like something that they're not necessarily involved in. And then through that, it acts as a it acts as a proxy to get them more involved in um, in issues regarding the climate crisis. So because they're more involved with um, with their child's actions and their their, their child's well-being. Um, they, they start to become aware of this, well, if it's important to my, to my child, and if they're putting this amount of effort into it, um, then maybe I should look into this or something like that. And really just keeping them keeping them involved in, and showing them the positives of, of what can be done. Um, because while it's, it's important to show people the gravity of the situation, it's also so important to inspire uh, inspire them with not hope, but inspire them to show that it's possible, um, and and really, really show parents like, listen, I'm 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 putting my time into the well-being of my future, into the well-being of my community's future. I'm putting well-being into because it 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 covers it covers the ethos sense, but it also covers pathos. Like it's it's very logical to protect the natural resources of the environment if. Uh, like socio-economic and environmental economic systems rely upon them, right? Um, so it is a smart decision for you to get involved in, um, in the climate crisis. So, like, if you, if you kind of just change the way the conversation is being held, I think it's really effective in getting parents involved and getting parents behind you um, when you want to start pursuing more, um, more over climate mitigation and adaptation.
0: I love it. And and the analogy that I that comes to mind as you're talking here is the same way that uh, a hockey parent, a hockey mom or a hockey dad takes you to your hockey practices and they get up early with you and they celebrate your wins and they console yeah. you and go so well. You want that same feeling when you are involved in projects like this and that that is a way that you can communicate with your parents and and say that it's it's like this is a sport this is my sport Um, because that's very tangible in our culture this is what I'm good at this is my gift and my skill and my talent and my passion the same way that skating and stick handling and uh, going to practice is important for an athlete or for a hockey player these things are important to me and I think that that's a really strong way to help parents realize that that they can can get on site in the same way showing up to a hockey game getting involved in those initiatives and listening to the stories and helping with the research um, in the same way you would show up for an athlete.
1: That, you, I couldn't have put it better and I, I think I'm definitely going to gonna borrow that analogy um with some of the conversations i have because that's definitely speaking my language i come from a very uh sport heavy culture in south africa and a very sport heavy family um whether we were playing rugby or soccer or cricket or uh once my brother and i got into um, Like swimming and rowing and fitness like like there's there's always been some sport in the household there's always some sports game on the tv um so so that that's definitely hitting home for me and that, that definitely hits home in so many uh so many wider families and communities and cultures um so i i think i think that's a perfect analogy um and and it's a perfect model to use um kind of kind of getting invested in what their child is interested in, what they're passionate about. And then that passion is contagious, right? And it, it spreads to the family. It spreads to uh, – and it, it spreads into a culture. It spreads into a point where you're excited to, to be more sustainable. It's, ex- it's exciting to be progressive. And um, it's like, oh, like like there's, there's so many culture shifts that, that have happened already. Like it's, it's cool to be vegetarian now. And uh, it's, it's, it's cool when people use, you know, that reusable straw when they go get Starbucks now Um, and and it's small things. And and even though the, 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 like the black and white impact of, of that action might be small in terms of like how many, like the actual numbers of how many tons of CO2 you're mitigating or something like that, but it's that social change that is so much more deep rooted in, in the like societal transformation. Um, that we need to see. So it is a, it is a multi head approach. Um, and that's definitely something that people need to take into equal importance that, uh, as just like individual mitigation and adaptation.
0: I love it. That, that just gave me goosebumps. Um, I, I think the, the fact that you're talking about how exciting it is, like your passion is just coming through so strongly. And that's one of the things that I see in so many gappers. They have a particular passion that just fires them up. And when they connect with community of people who have a similar passion, things just catch on fire. Like this little spark just gets this kindling thrown on it and gasoline on the fire. And it just, it just explodes into something beautiful. And when the families also join in on that, it can become such a, such a beautiful bonding experience for a family and for a larger community to come together over something that is important. And and when we're talking about climate action, these are things that are affecting every single person on this planet, Every single, every single living being on this planet, and um, and and what better cause to to stand behind than to um, than to than to support our, our natural environment and the way that that humans are impacting that environment. Um, so, if people wanted to learn more, where would you direct them? Where would you send them?
1: I would I would send them on the closest laptop they could find, and um, definitely as there's, there's um... There's, we have the, the world database at our fingertips uh, now in the, in the information age, um, and obviously there's there's a lot of conflicting information, and there's a lot of um, because the information is so easily accessible, like a lot of people can share their their very conflicting opinions sometimes, um, and it may seem overwhelming, but if you if you go to the well, like authority websites, um, so whether it be like places like the NRDC, or the Leonardo DiCaprio Foundation, or uh, the United Nations, or something like that, um, if you really go to those, then they usually have a wide array of, uh, of research that, that has been done, and, and it is very objective in, in the way that they present that information. Um, so, so definitely that, but getting in touch with your local NGO and and Finding out more from them again, again, just opening up the conversation, being like, "Hey, I want to learn more about this. I want to, I want to be more educated on that." Which, which is exactly the the character type of a climate champion: of being educated, being collaborative, and uh, being um, action orientated. Um, so, so first off, if, if people are wanting to get educated on this, that is the best in the first step. Um, but but definitely just opening that that conversation up at both the uh, you know, the gold standard level, like you were talking about, of um, of like places like the United Nations or NRDC or World Wildlife Fund or the um, International Panel on Climate Change or something like that. But then also going to your local level of like asking, like, hey, how is my community specifically being affected? Because um, cl- climate crisis-related events happening in Oakville, Ontario, might be different to Karachi, Pakistan. Um, so it's, it's, definitely, um, it's definitely finding out what's happening globally and then what's happening at your local level as well.
0: I love it. And, and you just spat out so many great resources and we'll link to them in the show notes. Um, so, so if you miss them, don't worry. We will, we will make sure that you have access to them on the show notes for this episode. Now, before we sign off, is there any other messages you want to send out to folks on a gap year uh, um, that you would like to share with the, uh, the listeners?
1: Um, well, I, I, I think you're doing a, f- a fantastic job here, in, in giving them uh, information and a, and a platform to know that to know that they are supported in, in uh, taking their gap year, but just know that um, if you are if you are taking that gap year, first of all, fantastic for, for knowing when you know you need some you time and and you need to grow outside of the classroom environment, um, but know that if you are doing it. And you are interested in um, in climate progressiveness and climate sustainability. Um, anything and everything helps, right? If it's a if it's a one by an inch, or if it's a one by a mile, it's still a one. And and whatever you do, just just don't stop moving forward, right? Don't don't stop being the the amazing youth who who want to come in and want to say enough is enough. We are taking a stand against unsustainable behavior. Don't stop being the youth that said, you know, the, like, here's the line where we're taking a stand. We're, um, don't, don't stop being the youth that is taking the planet's livelihood seriously.
0: I think that's such a beautiful message and so heartfelt and I, I know that's going to resonate with so many of our young people and we'll definitely use that soundbite, uh, to, to share far and wide because that message is, is so powerful and the encouragement that some people might need to hear, um, when they're, when they're coming up against a, a problem that's so large and, uh, the, the impact that they can have will make a difference. And, uh, coming from somebody who's living and breathing, uh, and walking the talk, uh, I think that will be a really, really powerful thing for folks to hear. Uh, so, Kane, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today and sharing so many incredible resources and shedding light on what is possible on a gap year. So I hope this episode really inspired you to get involved and get connected. Now, if you are currently on your gap year and you are looking for that same sense of community, we are opening for a very short period of time for the last time in 2020, our gap year community, the gap year game plan. So if that's something you're interested in, if you're looking to get the most out of your year to connect with other like-minded people and to have some accountability to make Make sure you're getting the most out of this year. You need to check that out. So you need to check out our website, and that will connect you with all the information. The link is in the podcast notes: www.cangap.ca/certification. Tons of great resources for you, and we would love to see you as part of that community to make sure you're going to get the most out of this year, and that you're going to be connected with other people who are on a similar journey in a very, very weird year that we're all in. So I hope to be able to support you on that and would love to see you inside that community.